This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And welcome back to some sort of the Clear Jets podcast where it was Ben Blessington and Michael Nania. One week away from free agency. Michael, doesn't it feel like this this free agency period snuck up on us uh, earlier than usual? Seems like the, the season just ended. It really does. And, you know, I think the reason for it is because this Jet season, we were actually invested in the games <laughs> into week 17. Usually it's <laughs> into like week four and the offseason kind of starts in October, so it feels like a longer off season. That's this, a very this time we didn't get that. That is a very good point. That's exactly what it is. Because uh, normally we're already looking at the free agent lists in in October. Right. Uh, this year waited a little bit longer. Uh, Michael and I have dove into these free agency uh, prospects for the Jets. We'll break them all down in this podcast. I know we had our Derek Carr preview pod that came out last week. We'll have a Rogers one coming out sometime this week. I imagine it's possible it won't be till next week, but I imagine sometime this week. The quarterback news will probably get announced, so maybe you'll already know by the time you're listening to this. We'll briefly talk about the quarterbacks, but today, Michael, we really want to focus on some of the other positions and this free agency market. And this free agency period is different than years past for the Jets because they're cap-strapped. Um, they're going to have to clear some space, and even when they do clear space, they got some guys on to resign, got to bring a, a big money quarterback, and they have some holes to fill. So uh, going to be an interesting season, but I feel like this is where you find the, the best value in free agency when you have the cap restraints and you got to go find the, the talented under the radar uh, signings. And so that's what I expect to see from the Jets. Mike, when you look at Joe Douglas's tenure as GM for the Jets and his, his free agencies, obviously starting in 2020, where he was tearing down the Jets, very conservative, very frugal that, that free agency period. He still did bring in uh, Connor McGovern, George Fant to the offensive line uh, last year or two years ago, I guess, building around the rookie quarterback, got a new coach, made some splurge signings with, with Carl Lawson, who was great up until his injury in training camp. Uh, uh, Corey Davis, uh, another big signing for them. Who's, who's been all right. I would say that was, that was generally a hit from Joe Douglas. And then last year, some big signings, obviously Lake and Tomlinson didn't pan out too well in year one, uh, year one, but maybe we'll turn that around Two big money tight ends who are getting paid a lot this year. So that's eyebrow raising and, one of the best free agent signings I've seen the Jets have in a long, long time uh, in DJ Reed. So a few other guys sprinkled in there. How do you feel Joe Douglas has been uh, in terms of managing the, the free agency period as a GM? Well, as you mentioned, this is an offseason where they're going to have less money to spend and they're going to have to look for more value. And interestingly enough, I think that's where Joe Douglas has kind of been better in terms of you know bringing in outside players through free agency because – it, it almost feels like he's gotten more impact out of those, you know, under the radar waiver wire pickups, low tier yeah. signings than the big money signings, because 
out of all the guys you just mentioned who they spent big money on, really DJ Reed is the only surefire hit out of all those. Corey Davis, I think, has been solid when healthy, but he's missed a lot of games and hasn't, you know, exceeded the expectations, I think. So it's been, you know, average to below average. But Reed is really the only hit, and there's been a lot of misses in there. Yeah, but, Whitehead probably missed. Lakin, you'd say, right. missed so far. The two right. tight ends. You, you raised this point to me before the pod, how each of them are making $10 million this year. Like, the, the cap hits went up in their second season, and maybe we didn't criticize the thinking behind that enough right. to, to pay two mid-level tight ends you know, that much money and have the uh, the price hike in year two. So, yeah, there's there's definitely some stuff to, to question from his uh, – Sister, are, right, you, are but, you confident heading into next week? The thing is, like, you, you look at John Franco Myers and Quincy Williams, and you know, Barrios for a little bit outside of this past season, <laughs> and he's found value in those kinds of signings. So, I'm interested to see if this offseason, with you know, maybe when he's forced to be a little more economical with his money, if he's going to get more value out of it because he's going to rely on his scouting ability and his ability to kind of find those, you know value signings with right. the limited resources they have because when he's had to go all out and spend money it hasn't really worked too well and a lot of that has to do with injuries whether it's George Fant, Carl Lawson, specifically those two guys but um it hasn't worked too well but some of the lower tier signings have he's been more efficient with those I feel like even Nate Herbig is one you could throw in there yeah uh, Quan. so Quan is another great one so that, that's plenty of examples right there where he's found value out of these lower tier signings, which yeah. is not where you're supposed to get the impact from. So I'm interested to see if he, if this type of offseason is better for Joe Douglas in free agency, because the big money spending for the most part is, has probably been his biggest weakness as a GM is finding value out of all that money that they spent because draft, we've seen some good results specifically the last, uh, the previous one in 2022, trades those have been mostly good i would say especially in terms of you know selling his own players and getting value back so there there have been some good things he's done but i think the biggest reason douglas hasn't won more in his first three seasons is the lack of value out of those expensive signings he hasn't translated all of those dollars that they spent which they've spent more than pretty much anyone the past three years uh, into enough value but it's the cheaper signings where he's done well so we'll see if uh with more of those this offseason, if it leads to better results. Philosophically, uh, what do you think are the most important traits that they're going to be looking for in these free agents? Uh, well, I think scheme fit is huge anytime you're trying to find these value players. Because just look at some of the players we mentioned that have been hits for them. I mean, Quan, perfect scheme fit because of right. his athleticism and his range. It's really emphasized in this defense. Um, Barrios, I think at times has been a really good niche player in the offense. And that's something that was emphasized. Is it niche or is it niche? Niche, niche. Was I I wrong? think it's niche. Is it niche? I don't know. Sometimes I can be bad with pronouncing yeah, tweets. I'll be honest. Um, so I may have missed on that. But uh, nevertheless, I think uh, Barrios, you know, there are ways that the scheme got the most out of him. Um, Quincy Williams, uh, just like Quan, athleticism emphasized in the defense. So I think scheme fit is what you're looking for, which which guys might be valued more with us than they would by the average NFL team because we can emphasize their strengths and hide their weaknesses. I think that's what you're trying to find when you don't have as much money to spend. 
I think one of the other most important things uh, for this free agency period is finding guys who are durable. And obviously that's easier said than done. You can have guys who have never been injured, never missed a game their entire career. And then like CJ Mosley get injured their first ever game and, and miss two years. Uh, so it's hard to predict, but I, I really think because they have limited cap resources and because it seems like going to go all in now with Rodgers, or even, even if you bring in car, you're still expected to be a playoff team. They don't have, uh, the luxury of, of having a lot of cap space on IR this season. And so they really want to make sure that the guys that they're bringing in and signing from these other teams are going to be able to stay healthy. Um, so I think that's definitely something to, to keep an eye out for. I think, you know, when you look at the individual positions, obviously the Jets have made some changes to their offensive staff. I don't, th I mean, I'll ask you that. Do you think it changes much? You know, and it's hard to say. We haven't really heard Hackett or Downing talk to the media yet. We haven't seen any of the practices or any of the games, but it sounds very similar to what LaFleur is running, but a, a few things are different. Do, do you anticipate any differences in, in the way that, uh, the you know, the Jets pro personnel scouts have to evaluate uh, offensive talent? I don't think it will be substantial because I think schematically it'll be very similar. I think the only differences would be in the personal preferences of those coaches because, you know, every coach has their own, you know, way that way that they view things. And despite LaFleur running a similar offense that Hackett might run, they're both their own people and they might see things a little bit differently, have different traits right. that they value more than other coaches might value them even in the same scheme. So I think that might be the only difference. And, you know, you might see more maybe connections to the Titans because the two Titans coaches they got connections to places Hackett has been and things like that. But schematically, I think it'll be similar, but we'll have to see, you know, how Hackett's personal flavor and Todd Downing and Keith Carter, how all these guys kind of maybe have different viewpoints than LaFleur might have had. Yeah, I think when you look at the positions they're most likely to address in free agency, and we'll go deeper on this in a second, but uh, center, guard, and tackle, honestly, all positions of the offensive line they'll be open to looking at. Uh, assuming their philosophy stays the same, I think they're looking for athleticism at that spot more so than uh, other teams who run more man gap concepts, I think, especially if they bring in the center. You saw what they like to do with Connor McGovern. Maybe he'll come back, but... They like athleticism to that position. They want to be able to pin and pull their interior offensive linemen. Um, I think if if they, uh, I think they should probably sign a safety, maybe even two. Uh, from safety and linebacker, really, they're looking for speed and athleticism. But safety in particular, I would really love it if they could find a ball hawk, whether that's in the draft or free agency, or maybe you know a guy like Tony Adams really develops. But they were lacking in turnovers last year. This Jets defense was, and that's really what kept them from being uh, an elite premium. I mean, they're already elite, but a premier number one championship caliber defense was the lack of turnovers. And I think having a, a ball hawking safety, um, you know, could really do wonders for them on the defensive line. I don't anticipate many additions. They could, they could cut Carl Lawson and do some, you know, make some moves there, but they have a nice pipeline there. But in general, I mean, I think you're, you're wanting uh, more depth of that interior defensive line spot, defensive tackle behind Quinn and Williams, because, I don't think they're going to be able to re-sign Sheldon Rankins, Nathan Shepard, and Solomon Thomas, who are both, you know, mid-level players, maybe maybe even worse than that. Uh, could be re-signed, but they're both free agents. Uh, and then receiver, uh, if they do move on from Corey Davis, which is on the table, they need somebody who can who can run block outside when they go 12 personnel because I think uh, I, I think they can survive with with Moore and and Garrett Wilson as their top two receivers because they have the the tight ends as the big bodies. 
But when they want to run from 12 personnel, I just, I just don't think you want to have Elijah Moore outside blocking. Um, so, yeah, with that being said, though, Michael, uh, we'll start with the the first domino to fall. And we don't want to spend too much time on, on the quarterbacks here, but Rodgers or Carr, it seems like it's between the one of the two. I guess if they whiff on both, let me ask you that. Nightmare scenario, just dump their heads right in the cold water. Uh, Rodgers decides to go back to Green Bay. Carr signs with Carolina. What do the Jets do? What do you do? Do we have to discuss this? <laughs> Delete your Twitter? I would just I would turn Jets X Factor into Titans X Factor. Just completely Ooh. different team. We're pivoting, putting the Jets in the rear view. It's be, all over. You think it'd be Jimmy G, probably? I mean, maybe Tannehill? We don't have to think. It, it. It's just, it would probably be Jimmy G. Probably Jimmy so, G. But but I don't even want to think about this because personally, I just think it's such a huge drop off from those two options that it would it would be a major loss to yeah. strike out on both of those. And and we don't know how much control over that that they have. Obviously, with Rodgers, they don't have much of any. And with Carr, that we don't know, you know, how much of that can the Jets control getting Carr versus allowing him to go to one of the NFC South teams. So we don't know. And if it comes to the point where they don't really have much say and striking out those guys, then you just got to deal with it and try to land on your feet. But uh, I think it would be a huge loss. Yeah, it, it definitely, out. definitely alters the expectations for the year, because if you bring in a guy like Rogers, you're pushing for a Super Bowl. I mean, that's your hope, but at the very least you're expecting to be a playoff team. I think with Carr, you're also expecting to be a playoff team, but maybe not Super Bowl caliber year one. Maybe you're pushing the bills to the division or the dolphins with Jimmy G. I think you're, similarly where you were this past year, except with better quarterback play, pushing for the playoffs. But, you know, I guess Jimmy G's been to Super Bowls, been to NFC championships. You can't dump on him too much. Uh, if the defense of the run game are, are cooking, he can he can steer the ship. But I agree with you. The drop-off from Rodgers or Carr uh, to Jimmy G would be quite depressing. So let's not think like that. Rodgers or Carr, Michael, how does it change the the Jets for agency plans? And this might be the last time we get a chance to to talk about this before we know who the quarterback is. We'll be recording our Roger this week, so maybe we'll have another one. But this is your last time to give your final thoughts, your final predictions. But first, I'll ask you this: How does it change uh, Joe Douglas's free agency plan? I think for me, if you're getting Rogers, I do think we'll see a, a very aggressive approach. I do think that. If they get him, they will commit to that one to two year window, hopefully two years. Um, but that short term window and forget about 2025 and beyond. We're going to restructure deals. We're going to backload deals. We're going to do what it takes to get win now players into the building. So I think if they get Rodgers, you'll see more you know, moves for veteran players who might be looking for a ring, close, closing out their career on a high note. A lot of those moves that the Rams kind of made throughout those years with all the veteran players they were picking up. So I, I think you'd see those kinds of moves with Rogers. If they get Carr, I don't, I think they're going to continue building as normal. If they get him, yeah. I don't, I don't think it will be, uh, there will be that panic of, you know, we got to win this year because I think that's what Carr buys you. He has the age and with the contract he signs, it'll extend the window to where you can continue moving forward with the mindset of let's just keep building this thing as we've been doing it. We don't, have to win it this year and ideally i think it, if you're being realistic about the roster you're looking at it as if we do have one more step to take and this year is more so about playoffs and then hopefully by next year and beyond that's when you could hopefully bring everything together and 
start thinking about seriously thinking about championships at that point. Not that you can't do it this year, but bottom line with cars, I don't think you have to rush to do that this year. You can keep the long term in mind. So if they get car, I think it will be business as usual. If they get Rogers, I do think we'll see some aggressive moves. I think the the, the biggest thing it changes, I mean the things one uh despite Rogers probably bringing the Jets a higher ceiling, at least on the surface, car would actually cost more money this year, if I'm not mistaken. Um if they trade for Rogers, and I could be wrong on this because I don't have this written down right in front of me, but uh his cap hit the first year would only be like 15 million, right? Yeah, I believe so. I mean, it's yeah, it's so complex, and he's gonna have to restructure it too if, right. if he gets traded. So it's it's very hard to decipher. Right. But I think that is the bottom line that year one Rogers is not the biggest problem. It's the it's the future yeah. years. Yes, exactly. And that's those are the years when you have a lot of young guys who are gonna want extensions, and it could get murky for the Jets. But Carr, year one, I mean, he's probably getting thirty five million. Would you say? 30 million. I mean, again, year one, they might restructure yeah, it. 35, it. I think. Uh, 35 is the number. But his, I think his, average, his average per year is going to be around 30 to 35 million is yeah. what I would say. Um, so that is a, a you know substantial difference, I guess. Uh, I, I think philosophically you're right that they will feel less pressure that they – and maybe that's a good thing because historically when GMs and coaches feel pressure and they make rash decisions and aggressive moves, sometimes it works out and other times uh, it doesn't. So maybe – having car and continue to build the way that they want to build, especially since you missed on the, the rookie quarterback, you know, it's not the worst thing in the world. I think the main thing is the Rogers trade compensation because outside of quarterback biggest need for the jets this offseason is offensive line. I mean, honestly all over the place, but you know, it seems like we're going to be penciling in Becton as the starting left tackle. He looks like he's in phenomenal shape. Mentally seems like he's doing great. Um, we know the type of player he can be when he's healthy, but, that is still a question mark. Can he play 17 games and, and further if you go to the playoffs? Uh, Lakin wasn't very good, but he'll be here at left at left guard. Big hole at center. Depends what you do with AVT, but you could put him in at right guard or you could play him at right tackle. Um, but if you trade pick 13 for Aaron Rodgers, I think lose may your best avenue of, of building up this offensive line uh, and taking a tackle at, at 13. If they sign Carr, obviously that's still on the table. Obviously, Nobody knows that those tackles even fall, um, but I think that's the the main um, thing that that could uh, change their free agency plans. Is just the, the Rogers trade compensation. I, you see the the report this week that was saying it, it might not be a first. What are you anticipating? Yeah. If he I mean, does get, for me, I've and a lot of people have disagreed with me, but I really do think that a first round pick is likely personally, and that's I, what I've been operating under for the most part. I, I don't so. think it'll be a huge package like. Russell Wilson or anything like that. But I do think it'll be a first rounder plus, you know, maybe they toss something in fourth, fifth, maybe up to third, something like that. But I do think it will take a first personally, but I could also see the report, which was from Daniel Jeremiah being true that it doesn't take a first rounder. I could see that if that's what it comes to. And Rogers wants out Packers don't have a ton of leverage. If the jets are the only team that seriously wants them. So I, I could see it. And if that is the case, I do think, Rodgers is the better option and I've been torn between Rodgers and Carr I've said it on here multiple times I'm on that fence but if it doesn't take a first rounder I'm for Rodgers because you still have that first round pick to supplement him you could trade that pick for a veteran player if you want to do that um, gives you more maneuverability and free agency like you said so uh, if that is the case I'm team Rodgers 
for sure. But I do still think it will be a first rounder. We'll see though. I yeah, I mean I I've been pretty vocal about being for Rodgers over Carr, but I agree it's a tough call. It really is. And there are a lot of things I like about Derek Carr. I really could see him being the Jets version of a Matthew Stafford uh who you know, comes in as a, you know, people would say Stafford was around a top 10 quarterback, goes to LA, right situation, came around and wins a Super Bowl. And I, I do think Carr actually does have that that potential in him. He does he have the floor of, of bottoming out. I actually, let me know what you think. I think Rodgers has the lower floor than Carr. Do you agree with me on this? Because I think Rodgers, yes. first of all, yeah. older, bigger investment, you have to deal with the media, head, you know, headaches. Um, but I think it's, in terms of floors, worst case scenarios, it's more likely a guy like Rogers who's getting up there in age, maybe gets injured or whatever, and just is a complete bust as a as a free agent or a trade. Uh, then a guy like Derek Carr, who I think has been who's been ex- exceptionally durable and has been pretty consistent throughout his entire career, he might not reach the same ceiling that that Rogers has. But Rogers is almost scarier in a way because maybe it's just I don't know why I feel this way, but there's something about Aaron Rodgers to the Jets that scares me. I just I can see the headlines forming or or the the it not going the Jets way and I know that's like the same old Jets thinking you got to break out of but I we've been burned too many times with big exciting free agent signings that the whole fan base gets behind and this is it and and having it blow up in our face. Where Carr I don't know the Jets the last time the Jets really went that route a, a guy like a Derek Carr I mean Testaverde. Because I would put Favre in the same category as Rodgers. I wouldn't put Fitzpatrick in Carr's category. So the last time they they went and, and got a mid-level veteran quarterback that they could have for a few years, probably Testaverde. Uh, I, I know in the 90s, you know, like Neil O'Donnell and whatever. But um, I don't know. It's, it's a tough call. I, I get excited about either of them. I, I will be happy with, with whoever they go with. Uh, now let me ask you this. How are they going to make the space? <laughs> because right, right now the Jets are, are in the red. Um, we'll, we'll, we already did an offseason preview. We ran through some cuts, so we'll briefly go through this right now. But I think the obvious contenders uh, of getting cut, Jordan Whitehead, safety, would free about $7 million. It's possible they could restructure him, but I uh, like cut. Barrios frees $5 million. Again, another possible restructure. I could see it, but considering he has a $3 million dead cap, that's about what I'd want to pay him. So they could just say, you know, cut you right down to your dead cap space. But if I'm Braxton Barris agent, I would just say, just release me. I'll go sign with another team for three or 4 million. And then I'll take your 3 million and still make seven or eight this year. Um, so I don't think Barris comes back. I think he'll have a market. Lawson is a big one for the jets. Could cut him in free 15 million. Um, they could restructure him. Probably. What do you think? Like eight to 10 million for Lawson. If they cut him yeah, down, that's probably the range. I think. If he were restructured, it would be interesting, though, to see could he get more than that on the open market? Probably just because edge rushers are such a premium. So, you know, whether or not they restructure or cut him is very interesting. But I do think it's he's not coming back at 15. I don't think that that can happen. Uh, Corey Davis would free ten and a half million dollars. Now you're on the uh you're not on the fence about keeping Corey Davis. You want to keep Corey Davis. Yes. You think that when you – well, what do you think about Corey Davis? Why don't I not speak for you? Oh, yeah. I, I mean, for me with Corey Davis, the biggest thing is just looking at the market of wide receivers and how it just trends so sharply upward every single season. Jacoby Myers is one of the top free agent wide receivers this year. He's probably a guy who you would consider to be similar to Davis in terms of how good he is. 
And the rumors on him are 15 to $20 million a year. And that's insane compared to what Davis is getting. So the biggest thing for me with Davis is you release him, you open a new hole. And if you want to sign a similarly good player, it's going to cost you significantly more just because of the inflation of the wide receiver salary. So that's the thing for me with him. And and I am a fan of his game because of his size and the big catches he can make over the middle and his run blocking um, especially is important in this offense. So injury is an obvious question, but a 10 and a half million for, for Davis, that's a good value. And it's not a position they have the depth to replace him in house, like compared to edge rusher with Lawson, where, you know, you cut him restructure, whatever. Um, well, if, if you cut him, you have the, the pipeline with Bryce Huff, who we'll talk about him, but, you know, potentially tendered, likely coming back, but him, Jermaine Johnson, Michael Clemens, you have guys in house who could step up and take that spot. You're not opening a hole by cutting him necessarily, but with Davis, you do have to fill that somehow. Right. And at his number, he is a, a good value. Yeah, I, I, they could maybe try to restructure him and uh, to get to like you know an extra one or two million. But I think, like you said, I mean he's tremendous value at that number. Um, do you, what what other options with Davis? I mean, if they do cut him or if they do trade him, um, and you have more and Garrett Wilson as your top two receivers, you do have a lot of money invested at tight end. So maybe you feel less of an onus, especially if you're bringing in a guy like Aaron Rodgers to have to go replace Corey Davis immediately. Maybe you're confident that you could draft somebody in the second round and maybe Denzel Mims finally steps up. But what is the the path? If you get rid of Davis, do you think that they have to turn around and sign somebody in free agency? Or do you think that they can hold off until the draft and cheap out of that position a little bit because of their talent at the position and the, the money they have invested at tight end? Well, I think it's hard to find a path that's better than Davis in terms of guaranteed value on the dollar you're either going to have to you know go cheap and hope that uh you know one of the lower tier free agent receivers with Carr or rogers you can get the value out of that but you know if you're going to get that player and you believe so much in the quarterback to get the most value out of that contract then you know davis you would want to have him there if you believe so much in the quarterback and his ability to maximize the receiver um so you would have to go with the cheap receiver and maybe hope you can make that work or you could take a swing in the draft because say you hit on a receiver in the draft, then, you know, he's cheap. You match or improve Davis. That's the dream scenario. It's just that that's such a hard thing to do because I looked up the numbers on this recently, but the odds of a receiver matching Davis Davis's production in terms of his yards per game over the past three years, whether it's first round or second round is well under 20%. It's very rare. As a rookie, I'm saying, um, if you're looking for that instant production to get what Corey Davis can do for you from a rookie. So, um, yeah, so you could either take that swing in the draft, say, let's just go cheap, let's be young, but then you're risking the short-term effects of that, which, especially if you get Rodgers, you want to have someone who could help you in 2023 so yeah definitely if you get rogers i think davis is more likely to stay because you want that who can help me right now type of player um car maybe it opens up opportunity to change it up but i do i do think he stays yeah and you know now bringing in keith carter as the offensive line coach and todd downing as the passing game coordinator titans connection that titans connection exists there with Corey davis and he's just such a good fit for the offense so i tend to agree with you on this one i think they could keep him there's 
they could trade him. We'll get to that in a second. Uh, but just running through some of the other guys that they could cut. Dwayne Brown, if they cut him post June 1st, he'd free $9 million. Uh, there were some reports this week, or Salah was talking about how he's at the at the facility lifting. He got his rotator cuff repaired. It was non-committal about his future, but it does sound like there's a good chance he could come back. He is solid Becton insurance. I mean, if if you cut him post June first and you freed that nine million, could you turn around and you know maybe that money to, to George Ant? Uh, timing doesn't really work out, but that might be more preferable. I think what they could do with Brown, uh, because it's a post June first cut and you can't get that money until june i think they could they could restructure him in june you know because i i don't know anybody who's going to sign him for nine million this season so they could try to free up three or four million um by restructuring brown and by restructure i mean take a pay cut um because i don't think he's going to find anybody who's who's going to pay him it seems like he likes his his spot here he has an opportunity to sit behind becton and presumably play some games this year um hopefully not that many so i think i think he's a good restructure candidate um but we'll say they, they don't cut him for now. Uh, and then rounding out just kind of the, the smaller uh, cap hits that they could, they could free up. Obviously Braden Mann, they cut him, they'd free a million. Uh, Justin Hardy, pro bowler, so maybe not, and veteran special teams captain, he'd free 2.3 million. Um, pair of 2020 rookies and Ashton Davis, who has is, is carved out his niche uh, on special teams. Uh, I actually I looked it up while you were talking before, it and it is, both are accepted apparently. And there's, okay. it's, you know, equally debatable both have their fans so we are both correct okay i'm glad i'm glad you looked that up uh davis would free 2.7 million and and bryce hall would free 2.7 million and speaking of bryce hall trades i i think this is another thing that we forget and it's hard to predict uh the cuts are a little easier to predict but every offseason there's always big trades that nobody expected there's always you know in terms of cap maneuverability uh, something to keep an eye out for. And I think the Jets have some guys that they want to cut because they need to free this money, but they have some value. I think Bryce Hall is a guy who could you know, look. I mean, Joe Douglas got a six round pick for Jordan Willis. I think somebody would throw a six rounder for, for Bryce Hall. I think uh, Justin Hardy, well, maybe not as a gunner, probably not. Uh, I think Corey Davis uh, does uh, definitely have value, but there's one trick in particular I was thinking about. This is out of the box. Some people will raise their eyebrows at this. I'm uh, not even advocating for the Jets to do this. I just think it's it's something that Michael and I could discuss here. Um, John Franklin Myers. What do you think about this, Michael? The deal with JFM, his contract takes a big hike next offseason. Um, so you'd imagine that he's not going to stick around. If they decide to trade him next offseason, um, they could do that. Um, but the team that's trading for him is going to be accepting him on a $13.5 million cap hit. And you never know what his value will be like a year from now. You know, he could get injured. He could not play as well. Um, but right now, he's coming off of back-to-back -back great years, actually three good years in a row, um, has been relatively healthy. And a team that trades for him would only be trading for him because uh, the Jets would free up about $5.2 million. That's what the team who trades from would be responsible for. The Jets would have to eat $7 million. But the only reason I would consider doing this, because, look, the Jets have good players. What are we doing trading them away? Is because I think it would allow you to then turn around and restructure Carl Lawson and keep Lawson. You have a pipeline behind JFM of Michael Clemens and, and Jermaine Johnson, who are honestly maybe more suited, more so Clemens, more suited to replace JFM in terms of a bigger defensive end who can push inside on passing downs. Now, I'm not saying they should necessarily do it. I think JFM's a great player. He's a friend of the podcast. He could be in store for a, a Pro Bowl season, and then the Jets might look uh, silly. But if a team called Michael and offered you a second-round pick, 
which isn't crazy considering the type of a player that he is. He's only 27 and the positional versatility that he has. If a team called and offered you a second round pick, do you consider it? You could trade him on if values high. You could turn around, take the, the five million you'd freed, plus a, a loss in restructure. You know, you have Clemens and Johnson behind him. Is it something to consider? And you have and you have the Quentin Williams uh, extension looming over you. Yeah, I, I think there's credence to it. I think, you know, like you're saying, the only reason you do it would be because you can get that high value pick. It's not like we're dumping him just for the cap no. purposes. It's more so looking to the future and kind of picturing that he might not last for the long term anyway because of some other players who might stick around. So get some high value out of him while his value is at its peak and take advantage of that pipeline you have behind him. So I do think there's credence to it, but for me personally, I'm a huge fan of his game. I think his edge setting in the run game was very underrated this year and a big part of why the run defense was good. Uh, At least it was good for most of the year, Um, but he was a huge part of that. Um, And his ability to go inside on third downs and rush from the inside and i still think his edge pass rushing is pretty good i, I just love his game oh he's great he's, he's a big part of what they do so i would i would prefer even if, if they got that call for a second round i'd probably just hold on to him just because i like the player that much but it's it's a good outside the box idea worth considering because because those things do happen every off season that no one talked about or expected so it's in terms of outside the box ideas that are possible i think that's a good one to bring up yeah it's just because you look at his cap numbers in 2024 and 2025 and it's 14 million and 15 million and the jets could save 13 million and 15 million in each of those respective years by cutting him so considering that you have quinn in you have a quarterback you're paying you have all these other guys young guys are going to want new contracts he's and you just drafted uh jermaine johnson and michael clemens he's not going to be here in 2024 barring an unbelievable season so and you don't know uh, if I'm a team, am I trading for, for JFM at $13 if next year he goes there and gets injured or, you know, he has a solid season, but maybe not a season where you'd want to trade something, and, you know, for a 28 year old that's worth 13 and a half million. This offseason, he's much more attractive to other teams. He's coming off of good uh, of a good year. You know, his value's high. You know, you're probably not going to be able to keep him long term. I just think it is something to consider. And when you look at it like this, you know, because Carl Lawson, you know, was so dominant and had us so excited and then gets injured. And then it comes out after the fact that he re-aggravates the Achilles uh, a few months later in December. He was never really fully himself. He was still good at creating pressures. He had some cleanup sacks. You know, he didn't have a bad year by any stretch. But I think there is reason to believe that Lawson, um, you know, could go one of two ways. But I think there's reason to believe that he could return closer to the player that he was. Not that he was bad last year, but I think he could take a jump another year away from that Achilles surgery. Um, I guess JFM's more durable. But when you look at it like this, they can't keep Lawson at 15 million. They could restructure him, but even then, there's just a they got a lot of holes they gotta fill here as, as we'll keep running through here. So either you cut Lawson and you you for free, you know, you free 15 million dollars, or you could restructure him, knock five to seven million off of that. So, you know, let's just say five million. So now Lawson's a ten million dollar contract. You trade JFM, which frees up another five million. And you're able to get a day two pick, maybe not a second round or maybe a third round. Who knows? I'm not necessarily saying I would do this. It's just something to consider because then you freed 10 to $12 million and you get a day two pick. I just think it's, it's, you know, something to consider. Um, 
who are some of the other you, you posted an article on Jets X Factor, some of the guys that maybe the Jets would be interested in trading for. Is there anybody that that is on the top of your mind or anybody else that you think the Jets could look to trade themselves? Uh, I think I'm not sure in terms of trade candidates with within the team. I think, like you mentioned, Bryce Hall's guy you can maybe flip for a seventh, six round pick, something like that. Um, Justin Hardy, I don't think so. Elijah Moore, I guess, is an, is a wild card if they really want to move on, but I don't I don't see it happening. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I don't think they're gonna. If I if I had to predict, I don't think they're gonna trade anybody. Yeah, I don't think they'll. They I don't think I, they definitely won't cut Corey Davis, but I do think that they could potentially trade Corey Davis, even though you see the hole you're creating and you see the value you have in him. Another guy where you could trade him and get a pick back. He won't be back here next year. He has value. Um, so yeah, they have a few guys on this team that they could, uh, swap, uh, for some picks and free up some cap. Uh, and then the last thing in terms of freeing up cap space, um, restructures hard to predict, but just running through a few guys, because I imagine, you know, with the cap, there's, you know, obviously people will say on Twitter, the cap is, is a myth. And there's some credence to that because it seems like every year, all these teams get incredibly creative and they're turning things into signing bonuses and just barely squeaking under the cap and fitting all these superstars on the roster that the jets will, will have to move some money around. So I think some guys to keep an eye out for that you might see in the next few weeks about restructuring their deals, Conklin, Uzama, both of them that we mentioned earlier, uh, those might be more pay cuts. I don't know how much money they want to kick down the road. Uh, DJ Reed, if they keep Corey Davis or Whitehead or Barrios, those are guys to keep an eye out for uh, Dwayne Brown. We already talked about, maybe Lake and Tomlinson. There's something there. Or maybe uh, CJ Mosley as well, who they already restructured. Um, yeah. But with that being said, Michael, I mean, with the cuts that we, uh, we talked about, we, we'll say, uh, we'll say they don't do the trade. All right. With, with JFM, we'll actually say just no trades uh, just to make it easy. And we'll ignore the restructuring. If they cut Whitehead, Barrios, we'll say Lawson because it makes it easy. Uh, Ice Hall and Braden Mann. That would give him about uh, – and Dwayne Brown posting first would be $40 million. Uh, if they keep Dwayne Brown and considering they're going to be operating in free agency in, in March and not June, be about $31 million. So about $31 million to play with. But then, Michael, you got guys you got to bring back. Who are some of the ones that, that stand out to you that the Jets have to bring back? And, and what do you think that they'll uh, command? And how much money will that leave the Jets to play with? Well, I, first of all, let's talk about like the numbers and some of the stuff that you're saying in terms of the cap being fake and all that. I think it's definitely not fake in the sense that, you know, you never have to pay the price for restructuring guys and, you know, doing all that maneuvering to make things work. It, it will always catch up to you at some point, but I think when we're trying to lay these things out, like in terms of all these specific numbers, who's getting how much space you clear when you cut a guy, how much is a guy going to cost if you sign him and just like, trying to fit all these things in, making a plan. It is, it's just hard to picture how it's really going to play out because teams do always figure out a way to make it work. It's never as simple as like clear 5 million for him. And then we're going to assign him for 5 million into that space. Right. And you know, just that cut and dry. So it's kind of hard to picture because they're, they're always going to be restructures. We're not thinking about and backloaded contracts and just creative, creatively structured deals and all this stuff. So extensions. It, yeah. Planning. So they always find ways somehow 
beyond our comprehension to make these things work and not just be limited to because you put all these numbers out here and like you said maybe they have 31 to 40 million something like that even after cutting all these players then you include the draft class you include the quarterback you include the guys they resign and you do all that math and there's no way they could sign anybody after that but they will find a way to do it somehow yeah. and yeah like are you gonna to pay their car 35 right. million right exactly <laughs> so all these hills for for us to sit here and try to figure out the exact math and how that's going to work is an impossible thing to do but it will pan out so i think the best way to look right. at it is just look at the players who are out there and try to find realistic targets and also you know look at your own players who do we want to cut who do we want, who do we want to resign just evaluate the players and let the team try to figure out the numbers and, and we could use the numbers as a guideline just to know right. what's realistic to create a range that makes sense how many players can we sign what level of players can we go after that kind of stuff to give yourself an approximation of what to expect what you should be mapping out as a fan trying to project this but when you get too specific with the numbers i think we're missing the fact that there's a lot of stuff that's going to happen that is beyond our ability to predict and uh so you don't always have to be so specific with the numbers as a fan trying to project it that, that's the point i'm trying to make here but um but yeah in terms of, of guys who they should resign I think for me, this is my top priority with free agency because, and this does not happen in Jets land a lot. Usually it's, we don't care about resigning anyone. We're just trying to replace all those guys. But I, I want a lot of these players back. And I think you start with Bryce Huff, second round tender, 4.3 million. I think it's a no brainer for the Jets. Just get him back, give him a prove it year. And hopefully he can go from there next year. Uh, see what he can do. And hopefully he proves himself to be a long-term contract-worthy type of player. Um, so you start that. But then Nate Herbig, for depth on the offensive line, I think he, if you can get him back at a reasonable cost, is worth bringing back. Uh, Greg Zerline, I think he earned that job. Uh, but the interesting one, or the two guys, or most interesting position here, uh, is linebacker. Quincy, Quan, those two guys had solid years were big parts of this defense being successful. What do you think of those two guys? Are you trying to get both back? Are you choosing one or the other? What do you think that approach is at linebacker? Most likely they just bring back Quincy because one, I think he's a young player who fits the scheme developed uh, under solid the last two years. And I think there's reason to believe that he could continue to get better um, Two, given that his, his younger brother is in, in line for a big extension. I imagine the two want to keep playing together. So I think Quincy is a pretty big no-brainer. Quan is 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 interesting. They definitely could. I think in the research for this episode, I found a lot of really good linebacking options, linebacker options, especially guys who thrive in pass coverage, um, who fit that athletic mold that the Jets are looking for. And also it's a position that you maybe don't even have to go sign. So you could maybe, you already have Jamie and Sherwood, you could draft somebody else in round three or round four, and you could probably survive. I mean, there are going to have to be positions just because of how strapped they are and because they're have to, you know, doubling down a quarterback with a rookie and a, and a vet that they're going to pay a lot of money. There's going to be some positions that aren't going to be as deep or as, or as, uh, as enticing looking uh, entering the season. Now maybe you get a young guy who develops, but uh, I think linebackers is, is a good candidate for that. So maybe they just bring back Quincy and then they have Mosley already. They already already have $19 million uh, allocated to, to linebacker through CJ Mosley. So to go pay Quincy and then to pay Quan, if if they could get Quincy and Quan for a combined 
seven to eight million. You know, if they each took about four million, or if Quincy got five and Quan got three, I think I would probably do it because um, I like that. Uh, I like how they played just uh, last year, and you have the chemistry between them. But um, I think there's a lot of good options that I, I think it's probably probably the Quincy Williams show. Um, there are a few other guys that we didn't talk about that they could bring back. Um, George Fant is under the radar. It doesn't look. It's hard to predict. Doesn't sound like anything's happened there, but you never know. Uh, I think I think he's a good option if you're going to cut Dwayne Brown because I think you could get him for less than the nine million that Dwayne Brown is owed. I think he had a fantastic year at left tackle in 2021. Uh, I think he's good Becton insurance. He was a captain in 2020. He was on our podcast, so I'd like to keep him around. Um, so with all that being said, I think I think Fan is somebody that could resign, and but I, I also feel like he might go elsewhere this this offseason and try to cement himself as a starter at left tackle McGovern. I, I don't see him coming back. I think they could really upgrade there. Um, Sheldon Rankins. I, I think they'd love to have him back. But again, as I was saying earlier, there's just going to be some positions that they can't invest too much money in. And I think defensive tackle is one of those that they can, you know, draft and, and hope they can coach those guys up. So I don't think Rankins comes back. The other one that was interesting, um, Mike White, <laughs> Robert Sala saying he, he wants to bring uh, Mike White back. Do, do you buy into that? Or do you think that's just coach speak? Obviously he likes Mike White. I also saw that Mike White was uh, talking about potentially going to Miami to be the backup, which makes a ton of sense. Um, I think I tweeted that in like December too. It just, it makes a ton of sense for the hometown kid to go to Miami, be Tua's backup. And then when Tua inevitably gets hurt, Mike White is there leading the Dolphins, beating the Jets. I can see it, Michael. I can see straight. Chad Pennington 2.0. Chad Pennington 2.0. But that was our player comp. He just had the accelerated Chad Pennington career arc over the course of like, 12 weeks yeah just six games he just speed ran the chad pennington <laughs> career um yeah i don't i don't see why coming back and i think the biggest reason is zach wilson being on your roster is a, a very expensive backup as it is for i think not, about nine million is his cap hit and i don't see zach wilson going anywhere so to also squeeze mike white into that and i think he will get a nice little contract five six million something like that sort of that fringe kind of high level backup money to a team that where the backup is a high chance of playing. Like I think we'll go to Washington, Carolina, maybe Miami, that type of team where, you know, there's a rookie quarterback or there's a low level starter and he's a high chance of playing. So I don't think the jets can squeeze him in with the money he's going to make. Uh, but uh, comments on a few other guys you brought up Fant, I think he's worth considering as a potential guy to bring back. But I think the problem with Fant is that with, Dwayne Brown coming back, uh, presumably if he does, um, it kind of because with the roster structure of tackle, I think what the Jets are going to be looking for is a surefire starter to add into the group because you have Becton who hopefully stays healthy and can be a starter. Then you have Brown, who's sort of that insurance policy slash competitor with Becton, and you also have Max Mitchell who hopefully is healthy and that mix as well. So if you add Fan, he's not good or durable well i think he can be good enough but he's not durable enough to be the other sure starter in the mix and if he's an insurance policy i don't think he's going to want to sign up for that and it's also the jets already have that with brown so right i, I don't think he fits into the picture at tackle uh, mcgovern i agree i would like to see them try and upgrade and i'm i've said this every time we talk about him but i like him more than most people but i i just think the jets need it better pass blocking at that position. They needed a change. 
because it, the communication just hasn't been good and the camaraderie. So I would like to see something different there. And there's a guy who I really like that uh, we'll talk about later to target at center. So uh, I agree that he'll also be out the door. Oh, and, and also on linebacker. Um, I would like to get both guys back and it depends on what their market is, if they can find a better spot elsewhere. And I, I think specifically Quan is going to want a bigger role because he is only a sub linebacker here playing 50% or 40% of the snaps uh, only subbing in instead of playing every down. So I think he's going to want a bigger role and someone might pay him to do that. So he might be hard to keep, but I do think Quincy will be back on a, on a, a good deal for a linebacker, but nothing, nothing crazy, maybe five to six per year. So with that being said, Michael, and like you said, these are rough estimates, take these numbers with a grain of salt. But like we said earlier, they cut all those guys. We mentioned Whitehead, Barrios, uh, Bryce Hall, Braden Mann. We'll say they keep Dwayne Brown for now. That's about $32 million. Uh, after those re-signings. Let's say they re-sign Huff, Herbig, Zerline, Quincy, and Shepard. Estimating, you know, again, we don't know what those guys would necessarily fetch, but we had it about, uh, that leaves the Jets with about $18 million, um, to play with. But again, take those numbers with a grain of salt. They could still cut Davis. They could trade guys. They could restructure guys because they have to fit a quarterback salary under that. Um, so with that being said, Michael, they'll have enough for what do you think? Like two or three starting signings? I mean, like not not going for the, the top of the, the heap for agents, They're not signing Saquon Barkley or Javon Hargrave or any of those guys, um, but probably three, two to three starters, right? Would you agree with that? Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, maybe it's like three mid-tier kind of Jordan Whitehead, in terms of cost, the contract right. he got, like that kind of level starter, or maybe one of those guys and one big level guy, something like that. Who would, is there a big level guy that kind of stands out to you? Is there, is there one free agent that you're like, if the jets are going to go for a, a splash here, and it, it seems like the, the free agency uh, philosophy might not be this. Whereas the draft, it's like you take the best player available or the highest guy on your board. You, you know, you see a blue chip prospect, you go and take him, even if you already have that position full free agency is a little different, but if there's a guy in this market and there's a few guys actually that we've, we've written down that are, uh, you know, perceived blue chip talents. Do you think the jets would, would splurge for them? Even if it means sacrificing at another position. I think a few guys that come to mind, and like you said, in free agency, it's about positional need for sure. You don't splurge on players at positions you don't need when the guy's a known commodity. So I look at the positions of need, tackle, uh, well, really offensive line in general, but O-line and safety is what I look at. So at tackle, if they want to go for Mike McGlinchey, a guy who, another San Francisco guy who has that scheme familiarity and has been, a for the most part, a I'd say one of the higher ranked right tackles. Um, I think he's a guy who, if they really want that high level tackle before the draft, because we know they can get one most likely with that 13th pick. So um, if they want to wait to use that pick, they can do that. But if they want to nail it down before that, I could see them going from a guy like Mike McGlinchey, who might sign a higher level tackle contract. Um, and then at safety, I think if they really want that big time playmaking safety to get those takeaways up get those interceptions up maybe a guy like jesse bates if they want to take that swing and really invest in that defense i Chauncey could see Gardner that johnson that is him as well it's another another option so those are the things i would say are on the table if they want to do that and 
again, to go back to the quarterback conversation at the beginning, I think these signings are more likely if you get a Rodgers who, first of all, has the shorter or the lesser cap hit in the first season, most likely, uh, based on everything we've heard. That gives you more ability to do that in the short term. And right. because, you know, you're trying to, you know, forget our cap space, like we'll be the Rams. We'll accept that if we can make the team as good as possible right now. So these types of signings, I think if you get a Rodgers, I think they will find a way to squeeze one of those in. Yeah, I think out of all the ones that you, you mentioned, I guess I threw him in there, but Chauncey Gardner-Johnson um, at safety, I think he kind of gives them exactly what they're looking for in terms of versatility. He can play the big nickel. He can play slot. Um, and then just a, a, a absolute ball hawk, you know, and he's only 25. Um, but that type of player, what do you think? I mean, he's probably getting – 13 million a year, somewhere around there. Yeah, about right. Definitely that or more. Yeah, maybe more. Yeah, that's true. Mar- uh, Marcus Williams got how much last year? He was like, was it, let's look it up. We're not going to throw numbers around. I think it was 15. It was a lot, though. Uh, five yeah. years, 70 million. So 14. Well, they're not in the same position cap wise that they were last year. Um, but the fact that the Jets were willing to, you know, throw all that money at Marcus Williams, it's, safety isn't a position they completely devalue. Um, but I think, I think the cap has to go towards the offensive line. I think that's the first priority. So as much as I'd love a guy like Chauncey Gardner Johnson, and I'd be ecstatic. And I really do think he could take this defense to the next level. I think first and foremost, the priorities offensive line, I think one more kind of, I guess, big name. Um, Isaac, I'm going to totally butcher how you pronounce his name. In fact, I might even, uh, is Isaac Samalu, 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 I think it's Samalu, Samalu. There we go. Um, guard from the Eagles, only 29, not only. But for an offensive lineman, it's, it's a little different. I think he's uh, an option in terms of a, a offensive line option they could look at who will command upwards of $10 million uh, next year. There's a, there's a plenty of other good offensive line options that we have laid out that we're going to get to in a second. Um, but if they want to make a splurge at O-line, you know, McGlinchey or Samalu, get it that time, uh, they make a lot of sense. Uh, let's do this. I want to go through these positions and talk about who are some guys that stand out of each of the, the main positions we expect the Jets to get. But because we're talking so much about the line, I think it's, you know, it's the second most important part of this offseason. What do you think JD's plan is for a line? <laughs> I mean, what what's the ideal scenario here? What's the worst case scenario? What should it look like entering the draft? I mean, because it's so hard to predict if a tackle even make it to 13, you want to go into to April being confident that you have five guys who can start and then you're going to supplement it through the draft. So what do you think the the, the free agency plan is at O-line and how do you kind of see the, the starting five looking? Right. I think you don't want to go into the draft. It, I mean, you can never go into the draft with the perfect roster. So you do anticipate filling some holes, but it's never a good idea to say, we're going to solve this position by using the draft, unless you have right. the first pick and you, or I second. Guess, I guess AVT's positional flexibility does lend itself um, to the fact, the fact that, you know, if a tackle's there at 13, they could draft a tackle, move AVT in at guard. If a tackle's not there and they re-signed a guy like Nate Herbig, they could be comfortable enough to have AVT at right tackle and Herbig at right guard, and maybe they're trading down for an interior offensive lineman. Um, but, yeah, it's 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 interesting. Yeah, so I, I think, you know, center is the one that I think you yeah, want to have filled definitely. before you get there. Because especially if it's a position you're not going to pick in the first round. Because first round is one thing you can kind of, if you're in the higher end of the first round, you could 
kind of picture how it's going to play out, know what your options are. And those guys are talented enough to where, for the most part, you can trust them to start day one. But when you're talking about center or other positions that you're waiting to pick, then you have no idea how it's going to play out. And you don't know if those guys are even good enough to play right away. So that's what we're looking at with center because, you know, you're not picking that at number 13. So you have to fill that before the draft. So I think that's going to be the big free agency priority. Um, then in terms of tackle, I mean, I, I feel like Dwayne Brown is going to stick around. I'm not personally the hugest fan of that because of his age. Like there's no guarantee that I know he was playing through the shoulder last year, but being 38 years old, it's not like that's something that can't happen again um, or that he's going to be better after that. So I'm not the hugest fan of it, fan of him being the security option, but his contract dictates that seems like the team wants him to be that. So I think he'll go into the draft with Becton and Brown at tackle. AVT has that versatility to play guard or tackle. Um, but presumably, I guess if you're putting an on paper offensive line going into the draft, it'll be Becton, Tomlinson, free agent center, and AVT at guard and Brown at the other tackle spot. And hopefully you could draft a tackle with that 13th pick. But, you know, that uncertainty with Brown is why you might want to sign a free agent tackle. Now, that's what I think is the most interesting question about free agency is does Douglas get two guys? Because I think we know center is going to happen. Either re-sign McGovern or get someone else. But are you going to pair that up with a tackle as well and go into the draft with everything filled out instead of relying on that 13th pick to be your starting tackle? So that's what I think is interesting. I think they definitely signed two offensive linemen, two starting caliber offensive linemen. I think it does come down to how they see Nate Herbig and how much they pay him, but they might walk out of free agency re-signing a guy like Nate Herbig, signing a center, and signing a tackle. Or as I said earlier, depending on how you see AVT, the guard market seems a little better, maybe more cost-effective, uh, that they could go and pay a guard um, and you know try to pencil an AVT at right tackle. I mean, it is it is fascinating to see what they'll do here. But regardless, if you have Rodgers or Carr, there's nothing that'll sink uh, a big quarterback investment like a patchwork offensive line. So they have their work cut out uh, ahead of them. I would say let's rank. Let's go through. I have, I have six positions listed, but considering we're saying they're not. Well, I have six positions listed here. I was going to say, considering we were saying that they're not going to cut Corey Davis, I could remove receiver because I put that as the sixth most important position to address in free agency. Um, let's run through them. Each position, you have some guys that you like. Uh, we'll, we'll break it all down. So first, center. Seems like this is the, the obvious one. I know you just touched on it a little bit. But who are some of the, the best center options and who stands out to you the most? Yeah, so the center market does have plenty of options. I think if the Jets want to get one, they can definitely do it. So I think there are three guys at the top, and it's Ethan Pochick from the Browns, um, Garrett Bradbury from the Vikings, and Bradley Bozeman from the Panthers. And all three of these guys are prime age. They're 27 or 28 years old. Each of them, they have over 50 starts in the league. So they've experienced, they've started and they're all, you know, seen as solid or better starters. You know, they varied a little bit. Um, Pochick just had his best season with the Browns, but that's a little concerning because he's playing next to two superstar guards with Batonio and Teller. And they also have Callahan as their O-line coach who, who always does an amazing job. So there are questions about him retaining that, but he was one of the best centers last year. So he might be the top guy. Um, Brad Barry, former first round pick 
very good athlete, but the production has been mixed throughout his career. This past season, he was similar to McGovern in terms of how many pressures he allowed near the bottom for centers. So he's more of a name and pedigree guy than actual production, but probably will get paid because that's what how it works usually in free agency. Um, and then Bozeman is a good center, but I don't know if he's a fit for the Jets because he's more of a power scheme bruiser kind of guy and his skill set leans more towards that than his pass blocking. So if he's not a scheme fit, I'm not sure if that'll work out. So, but those are the top three guys outside of them though. There is one guy who I've not seen any jets fans talk about, and it's not an exaggeration because I typed in the Twitter search bar. I put his name next to jets and I (laughs) did not see any results. So it is factual that no one has discussed him, at least on Twitter, which is, uh, for some people, the entire world, I guess. So, <laughs> in terms of Twitter world, he hasn't been some talked people. about by Jets. I'm talking about myself there. I'll yeah. be completely honest. <laughs> <laughs> I was just trying to point it to other people, but that's me. That's my perception of the world. But anyway. Yeah, you, you got 30,000 followers, man. I mean. I, I, you said it, not me. But um, regardless, <laughs> Jake Brendel from the San Francisco 49ers is who I'm talking about. He's a guy who is... I think the value for the Jets in the free agent center market, he's a very unknown player. He's 30 years old. He's going to be 31 this year. Prior to this past season, he only had three starts in his career, undrafted free agent in 2016, career backup, practice squad guy, but he starts for the Niners this year, replaces Alex Mack, who retired, and he starts every single game, and he puts up really good numbers. He had the fourth lowest allowed pressure rate for centers, and he had the fifth best run block win rate at ESPN. So he was durable, great production, his first season starting. I think you can get value here because I don't think he'll get paid because of his age, being 31 years old, the limited sample size. And despite that, he had great production. There's the scheme familiarity there coming from San Francisco. So I think he's a guy who makes a lot of sense for the Jets. And I have I was doing some research and I did see some rumblings that maybe the Jets are interested in him. So what does um, that mean? Well, what do you mean? What does that mean? What does that mean? Some research, some rumblings, hmm? some rumblings. You got, you Just, got some sources. I've been some talking to the Bush guy outside the Jets facility. He yeah. was seeing what was going on in there, but um, moving up in the world. We'll see what happens, but he, he's a very interesting guy. I, Cause so, like I said, those top three centers are interesting, but for various reasons are concerning. Uh, but Jake Brendel, I think you go down to that second tier. I think he headlines it, and there's value to be had in him. So for me, he's my guy, not yeah. just at center, but for all free agents in the class among what I've seen so far, there's no one who really just kind of checks the boxes for me like he does. I'm trying to think if there was anybody the last few off seasons who's kind of been like that, that they ended up signing. I mean, you were really on DJ Reed. I'll give you credit for that one. You were a big DJ Reed uh, fan when they signed him. Uh, I guess Carl Lawson. I mean, there's a few. Those are kind of bigger names, though. Um, there's a few every offseason, though. I mean, I guess Lake and Tomlinson seemed like that. We had some misses, too. Like, remember we loved uh, Terrell Edmonds? You remember him? I did like Terrell Edmonds, yeah. That was not <laughs> not great. Well, I'm trying to remember. There's some other ones, too. I don't know if they'll come back. But every offseason, every free agency, there's a few guys that seem like the perfect match, and I agree with you. I think Brendel makes a lot of sense for the Jets. I let's, I guess we can do predictions at the same time. 
we're only saying they could sign like three-ish free agents. Uh, Brendel, your guy, and what do you think he? Uh, what do you think he makes? I think like two years, twelve million is the kind of thing. Okay, that he'll sign like six per year. I was looking at other comparable center contracts. Uh, contracts, and there are guys like Ted Karras had that three-year, eighteen million dollar deal. Um, Mason Cole was similar to that. Some of these like mid-tier sort of centers are signing in that in that level. And and the thing with Brandles, he doesn't I think he'll sign for that money, but he doesn't necessarily have to be considered that level of talent because the production was good last year. I just don't think right. he'll get paid. And maybe I'm wrong and he will get paid accord- accordingly. Right. But um based on the age and the limited sample size, he projects contract wise as someone who will be cheaper, but he did like with the stats I threw out there, have some really good production last year and i know some jets fans might be hesitant to sign more 49ers linemen because lake and tomlinson didn't pan out and and i get that but i don't agree because i think that's it's more of an individual case you can't just rule out signing players from an entire team because one guy didn't work out i think it's more of an individual thing so i don't personally subscribe to it i get it but i don't think it should deter them so jake brendel is my free agent guy for this year yeah, I, I think I think he could get a little bit more than that, um, just because yeah. there's so many uh, teams these days that run that West Coast style of offense that want that mobility from a center, and you have the center from the West Coast zone running team in San Francisco, and I just feel like he'll he'll make some money. But I, I agree, I think it's going to be the Jets, but I could see that number being closer to ten million, um, you know, maybe eight nine million per year on him. Yeah, I mean, but Niners could bring him back. I think. The Texans are a team that could look at him. They yeah. they just cut their center and they hired D'Amico Ryan's, who's coming over from San Francisco and has that familiarity. So there should be demand for sure. Uh, let's go to safety next. We're going to come back to look at the guards and tackles, but I, I put safety as the second most important position to address in free agency, just because they have nobody <laughs> at this point. Uh, I mean, well, I guess they still have Whitehead, but assuming they cut Whitehead. Uh, they have Tony Adams, who I did really like what I saw from him. And I do think there's a possibility, going back to what I've said a few times in this episode, he might have to entrust the free safety spot to a guy like Tony Adams. And maybe you yeah. draft somebody early day three and you have Ashton David, you know, try to fill that role through youth and hopefully somebody develops because you can't fill every hole. But right. Are, right. are you creating a, a massive weakness in your defense? Maybe. Um, but I, I think we saw enough from Tony Adams to to have a feeling of of the type of player he might be and that he's not going to be a complete bum. Um, but either way, they got to sign at least one safety to replace Whitehead, assuming they cut him. They could even go for two. They could double down at this spot. So that's why I put it number two, um, although I would maybe favor the offensive line. But regardless, let's take a look at some uh, safeties, Michael. Who kind of stands out? I know Jimmy Ward. There's the San Francisco connection. He wants to go back to playing safety. He's playing a lot more slot corner. Um last year in San Francisco, but obviously scheme familiarity overlaps with Robert Sala versatile because he can play the, the nickel. And when you go to your dime looks, you can put him in the slot. Uh, I think he's a guy that I think a lot of Jets fans have kind of tied themselves to, and it doesn't seem like he'll break the bank. So do you like him and, and who are some of the other safety options that you think they should consider? Well, yeah, first I think on Tony Adams and the idea of that, I think it's something you have to be open to because like you said, you, you can't always fill every hole. And as much as you would like to, it's not always the best option to just, you know, try to fill every single position with a free agent that you're spending money on. Sometimes you do have to trust your ability to coach and get the most out of a young 
unproven guy at a position for cheap. So I think safety might be a place where they have to do that because, uh, well, obviously you're going to need one safety. We know that, but then with Whitehead, if you want to release him, which I think is the right idea and the jets could agree because just cap wise, they don't have a lot of avenues to creating cap space and Whitehead is one of the best. So they might do that. Then you have two safety holes and it's going to be hard to sign two quality free agent safeties probably aren't taking one in the first round. So it could come down to let's rely on our young guys and see if they can fill the spot. And Tony Adams, I think the two games he played at the end of the year, he looked really good and it's only two games. So you can never rely solely on that. Every player in the league can have a hot two games. So it's still too, too small to depend on. And he has to keep it going this off season, but I liked what he showed. And I think he has a chance to, prove this offseason that he deserves that spot. But uh, regardless, they're going to need at least that free safety spot. So in terms of guys to fill that, you mentioned Jimmy Ward, definitely a candidate. Seems obvious that he's going to leave. There was a quote where you know Kyle Shanahan was telling him that he's not playing free safety, and that's what Jim, Jimmy Ward wants to do. So it seems like he's out of there. And another guy that scheme familiarity, um, but there's another guy from the Niners, so I don't see mentioned as often for the Jets, um, to Sean Gibson. He's a veteran guy who's played for a long time for a few different teams. He just had uh, five interceptions last season, and he was playing free safety for the Niners last year while Ward was at slot corner. So um, I think Gibson fits right into what the Jets want to do. I was comparing some of the usage numbers for safeties around the league in terms of where they line up. And Gibson was the most similar safety in the league to among free agents in comparison to how the jets were using joiner. So he would be a seamless scheme fit in that way. He's ready to step into that role. Uh, so Gibson and Ward from the Niners. I know we were picking Niners guys again here, but uh, they both, of, both of them make a lot of sense to fill that role. Yeah. I think for me, in terms of predictions, Ward is the obvious one, and you don't want to just be connecting <laughs> the Jets to every San Francisco player or Titans player or Eagles player or whatever, Green Bay. Uh, any have connections with, but in terms of my own predictions, I would say Brendel and, and Ward uh, seem pretty likely to me uh, out of all the safeties. I mean, what do, you, what do you feel in terms of prediction? I mean, I guess Ward gives you more of the free safety. You'd still have to replace Whitehead. Um, I think the one thing is they – from safety and linebacker, they want athleticism. They want good tacklers, and they could use they could use a ball hawk. And I feel like those types of players, you you could find a young, athletic, fly around safety on day two of the draft and plug them in and be a starter if you if you want. So to to go and pay two safeties, if you're getting that good of a deal, you're probably not going to love how they play this year. So I would say they sign one and draft another one. Uh, and if I had to choose one that they'll sign, it'll be Jimmy Ward just because of the scheme familiarity and he can quarterback the back end. What do you think? I think so. I agree with you. Um, and maybe they can go after a strong safety like uh, Jordan Jordan Love. For, not Jordan Love. What am I talking about? Julian Love from the Giants. <laughs> it's not that far off, to be fair. Not that, not that bad. There are worse ways you can mess up a name. But uh, Julian Love <laughs> from the Giants. He had a good season. Um, it was a playmaking safety in the box. Taylor Rapp from the Rams. Um, so those are a couple guys they want to go at after maybe a box safety. If they cut Whitehead, 
then entrust the free safety to Tony Adams plus someone else they might draft. But right. I, I agree with you. I do think it's hard to picture them fitting two quality safeties in there because like think if you want to because we don't like Whitehead, I think generally, at least I don't. Um, and you know, some people might disagree, but if you don't like Whitehead and you release him, it you're gonna have to pay the same amount of money to get a similarly regarded player. So it would still be a lateral move. And then you want to do that at the other position too, at the other safety spot. It's probably just doesn't fit in with the O-line move and the quarterback resigning all these guys. So uh, I think I agree with you. I think it'll be, they're going to sign one guy and they're going to entrust the other one to Tony Adams plus draft picks. I think, yeah, because you're going to lose both your starting safeties. You worry about continuity in the back end of your defense, especially considering how good the jet secondary was. Obviously, a lot of that was corner play. And I think Ward just makes the most sense because you could bring him in. Obviously, both safeties do both roles, but he can be your middle field safety at times. He can quarterback the back end. I don't feel like you're going to feel the big loss of continuity if you have a guy like Ward. And then, yeah, I like the uh, the options of, of drafting somebody on day two or, hell, even day three if you really want to push it. Probably day two. Um, somebody who can go create turnovers. Because that was the one thing with Jordan Whitehead that I thought you might get more of is that ball hawking playmaker. And again, they could they could keep Whitehead and restructure him maybe, but I think I think you could find that that ball hawk. And then then you're looking at a secondary, not only the the best corner trio, that's right, I said trio, uh, in the league. You know, you have a safety room of, of Jimmy Ward and a day two pick, and we haven't really looked into the draft stuff that much, so won't throw any names out. That's a damn good secondary, man, and that's one that really could carry this defense. So that has me excited. But let's circle back to the offensive line. First need center, second need safety. Third biggest need is going to be that other offensive lineman, and I think that's probably around where the Jets will will not cap the free agency because you'll see some other smaller signings. But in terms of signing starting players, they've signed a safety, they've signed a center. I think they have room for about one more starter, maybe two. Uh, and I think that has to be in the offensive line. And it really just comes down to who do you think is the best player, uh, guard or tackle, because you have that positional versatility with ABT. Who's going to be durable? Who's the scheme fit? Who's the best value? And so, Michael, throwing guards and tackles together and picturing how they'll fit, I know you would prefer probably a tackle so you can slide ABT in, a, ABT in at guard. Maybe this plan changes if they still have pick 13, but who who stands out to you as, as that other offensive lineman they could sign? Right. I, I I like AVT better at guard. I just think he has a greater athletic advantage in there against those interior guys. I think I think he can be really dominant with that. Um, so I, I do like that, but he can definitely play tackle as well. So I think his ability to do both is a huge asset because it opens up the ability for the Jets to go into free agency this year and just try and build the best offensive line with the assumption that AVT can just take the last remaining spot. So I think that's a really cool thing he brings. Um, but looking at the guards and tackles, uh, I don't I don't think either of these groups are... I mean, tackles has some good names at the top, but I don't know if the Jets will be in on those, like Juwan Taylor, Caleb yeah. McGarry, some of those guys. They might make a lot of money that I don't think the Jets will be in on, but uh, guard maybe has some better mid-tier names they could potentially right. afford. Like you mentioned Sayamalo. Um, Dalton Reisner from the Broncos, Nate Davis from the Titans, which is interesting to mention because Jets obviously now have two Titans, former Titans coaches, and, leading and their a offense. Broncos coach. 
and a Broncos coach for uh for Reisner. Oh, with, although uh, I think was wasn't Reisner the offensive lineman? He was. In he the did. He started. He started that fight. And so that, does that mean? Does that mean he's pro Hackett or <laughs> or anti Hackett? Do you think? That's I mean, a good question. Um, I don't know. At least he's notable. <laughs> I don't yeah. really know. Um, yeah. So there's those connections with Reisner and Davis, um, and then Ben Powers from the Ravens, but probably not a scheme fit. So no. yeah, this is what's interesting because like. Like I said, I think that's maybe the most fascinating storyline of free agency for me is are the Jets going to get another starting lineman in addition to likely a center? But looking at the market for garden tackles just doesn't really have options that are in the Jets price range. It's like there are some top end options at tackle, but I don't know if they're going to strike that big. And then you look at the mid at the mid tier options and there just aren't a ton of selection for the jets within their price range. So uh, I'm not, I don't know if they're going to be able to strike on this in a way that is, you know, appealing to where it actually feels like you're upgrading and not just getting another body in there. Yeah. I mean, I think this is a spot, especially if they, you know, fall in love with another position or depending on the cap with the quarterback, I think they could resign Nate Herbig and then enter the draft at 13, expecting to draft a tackle. And then worst case scenario, if all the tackles are gone, you could trade down or take another, you know, go to that second level of tackles or take the best interior offensive lineman prospect. And then you have an offensive line that, you know, maybe that first rookie you're taking uh, replaces Herbig, puts Herbig on the bench and AVT's your right tackle. Uh, I think regardless, they have to sign one center and they have to sign one other offensive lineman. They could survive with re-signing Nate Herbig. But again, offensive lineman, it's just you want to be deep in the trenches and the Jets lack depth in both spots. So maybe that's the, maybe that's the path they'll take because because the market isn't too great, especially a tackle. Uh, I mean, unless they want to go for like Andrew Wiley, maybe. Um, it could make sense to just try to fill out the depth of the offensive line and then turn your attention towards the draft um, after you get that center. Um, do we, do we make a prediction here? I, I think Davis and Reisner are the two that stand out just because of the scheme fits. Um, again, I know, uh, Taylor Luan was, had some choice words about Keith Carter. It did seem like they respected each other. So I don't know how Nate Davis felt about Keith Carter, but Davis has been a, a pretty solid guard for the Titans. He ended the season in injured reserve, but uh, has been relatively durable. And then Reisner, I mean, the locker room stuff blowing up at Russell Wilson, you know, I don't know how that plays out, especially if you've, uh, uh, Aaron Rodgers in the building. Um, who knows how that goes? But uh, those two guys stand out to me. And Sam Alu is the most attractive uh, because he's so damn good. He's been durable. And there's the Eagles connection. So maybe maybe they would splurge on a uh, Sam Alu. What, what's your prediction here? Do they do they go with a, a second offensive lineman, or you think they just re-sign Herbig and, and turn their attention towards the draft? Yeah, I think I, I kind of am, am feeling the Herbig path. I I just don't. Just looking at the options, it doesn't seem like I don't see anything that I think they would be in on. I think in theory, it's a good idea to get the center and also just get another starter so you can go into the draft feeling good about five guys. But looking at the specific options, I mean, some of the guards are decent, like Reisner um, and, you know, like Nate Davis. But I I just don't know. Are they, they that? Yeah. Are they that? Right. Is it, is it really going to? change the is it going to move the needle for you that much and do you want to move avt to tackle if they want to maybe they um go for that sort of move but we just don't really know with certainty what their 
feelings are on what they prefer for AVT. So it's probably guard considering they had him there initially. And then you look at the tackles and there's, there's just not much unless you want to shell out for Juwan Taylor, Caleb McGarry, or Mike McGlinchey. So very interesting. I think, I think the ideal offensive line includes Becton stays healthy at left tackle. Thompson, he's staying. Hopefully he bounces back. You sign Jake Brendel at center. AVT slides back at right guard. And then at right tackle, draft. you draft that rookie. Um, it, it's just that, that that's what I think is ideal. It's just the matter of, you know, the old feeling if you don't want to go into the draft and rely or, on it. Or that you, if you even have that pick or not. You know? or if, yeah, that too. If you get Aaron Rodgers, do you even have that pick? So there's that part of it as well. But I think that's the best case scenario. Mm-hmm. It's just a matter of do you feel comfortable going into the draft, relying on that, and do you even have that pick? Yeah, If they have to give up 13 for Rodgers, it really is interesting to see what they'll do at the offensive line. I mean, do you think – I think the Jets' defense is – is great enough and they have the weapons and Rogers has been so good that you think you plug him right in, you have a Super Bowl contender. Um, but do you think the Jets are just a piece shy of, of making that that jump for Rogers? Do you think I mean uh, I know I don't want to get too off track here, but it just when you think about it from their perspective, if they have to trade that 13th for Rogers, what's their offensive line gonna look like? And you're also banking on Beckton being healthy the entire season. Maybe you have Dwayne Brown backing him up, but regardless, I mean, what's the offensive line you're going to put in front of Rodgers if you trade that 13th pick? You know, that's definitely something that could could go in, in Carr's favor. And while the, this won't be news by the time people are listening to it, I did get a notification. Right, I saw this as well. That he's, uh, Derek Carr has a slight lean towards the Jets as his Ooh, next home. Nothing is news. final, but they'll uh, <laughs> Jets who are linked with Aaron Rodgers have made an impression. So per it Jeremy does sound Fla- like uh, Fowler. Well, and Chef retweeted it. It does seem like that might uh, quell some of our Jimmy Garoppolo anxieties. Of if the Jets go can get Rodgers and the, the trade makes sense, they'll do that. If they have their, if they don't want to give up their first or whatever it is, they can't come to to deal or or maybe Rodgers wants to go back to Green Bay. I think they pivot to Carr, and that's a it's a comforting feeling to have. But yeah, I I agree with you in terms of if they can get Rodgers and they need to give up that first round pick, it changes a lot because that's why I think if they can get him without that, it is a massive game changer in terms of how appealing it is for me, because that first round pick this off season is their best chance to improve the team. Right. They don't have a lot of cap space, uh, so they're not going to sign a, you know, any superstar level players. And they also don't have, you know, a surplus of draft picks where they could make aggressive trades for players either. So it's that pick right there. That is their most valuable asset to improve the team this offseason. So if you need to use that to get Rodgers, how are you going to fill out the roster to get those right. final holes that you need to plug if you want to be on the level of the Chiefs, of the Bills, the Bengals, and get through those teams? Because you just get Rodgers, put him on this team. It's a playoff team for sure. It could have an outside chance of stringing together the two, three upsets in a row you need to get to the Super Bowl. But to really be an equal roster, overall right. team, to those other teams I just mentioned, you have to complete the offensive line, and this pick is essential to doing that. So I guess if you need to give it up to get Rodgers, you just suck it up and you do whatever you have to do with your cap to fill out the offensive line free agency. Go sign one of those big tackles in addition to a center. Um, But ideally, you would love to get him without uh, giving up that pick. That would change a lot. I think they're going to have to. And I, I will say, I think philosophically, what we've heard from Joe Douglas and Robert Sala, Derek Carr makes more sense. 
but I think the how enticing uh, bringing in one of the best quarterbacks of all time, um, bringing him to New York, you know, Woody Johnson wants to make that splash move. And just the, the reality of you can win a Super Bowl with Aaron Rodgers. Maybe you could go on a playoff run with Derek Carr. Maybe you can go on a magical run with Carr. Um, but philosophically, when you look at who Carr is as a player and what they want to do in terms of running the football, play great defense, you know, rely on Carr to make those 10 to 15 plays a game, like I think Robert Sala said, but not having to carry them. And especially when you get into January and February, yeah, we, we saw the quarterbacks go back and forth. But if you're a team that plays good defense and can run the ball, it's a winning formula. So Carr maybe makes more sense, doesn't sink him as much down the line too. I mean, but Rodgers is just so enticing. It really is interesting. And, and like you said, it, a lot of it for me does come down to can build offensive line around Aaron Rodgers because I don't think you want to make that move. And you know, next, you know, Beck goes down in training camp. Nate Herbig isn't that good. You're throwing out, you know, Dwayne Brown, 40-year-old Dwayne Brown at left tackle and some other rookie. It's just, you know, you want to have stability in front of A-Rod. Uh, last few positions here. This is a bit, honestly kind of a big one. I was going to speed through the rest, but defensive tackle. I think they probably are going to sign a defensive tackle in free agency. They'll probably lose rankings. This is a position they could probably go cheaper on, but they want to build up the depth here. You know, with how often they're rotating the defensive tackles at times. I mean, I mean, Nathan Shepard and Solomon Thomas played legitimate reps. So maybe they bring both those guys back. Maybe they bring one guy back, but regardless, they need somebody that they can stick next to Quentin Williams and be confident that he can take some of those double teams away from him and create pressure. So Michael, who stands out to you? Who can be kind of that bargain bin defensive tackle that they signed? Who, you know, when we're sitting back a few months from now looking at our best free agent signings, you might point to this defensive tackle. Well, yeah, I think, and we should have touched on him a little bit earlier, but I really would like to have Sheldon Rankins back. It all depends on what his market is because the Jets definitely can't afford to really go overboard to bring Rankins back considering all the other D-line investments, both present and future. So, uh, if they can get him like maybe six million per year, I'd like to have him back. Maybe they could push it to the seven eight range, but if he you know flirts with eight figures, I don't think it happens. But I would love to have have Rankins back. He had a great bounce back season last year. Just a really good two way ability that you like in a starter, a, an explosive pass rusher, but also had great discipline and gap control against the run. So I would love to have Rankins back. Um, there's there's some fear with his uh, with his previous durability and just yeah. the fact that he had the big year in a contract right. year and then he gets Bounce, paid. Yeah, big year contract year. Wasn't a good first season, so that's definitely concerning. So um not a slam dunk re-signing, but uh all things considered I'd like him back. Uh if he leaves though, um there are some good guys out there. A Sean Robinson, uh Puna Ford from the Seahawks is an interesting one who has yeah um you know similar scheme and could give you some of that penetration similar skills as rankins and didn't have um, a great year last year but his year before that i mean he had flashed a lot i think puna ford has definitely got to keep an eye out for it just because under the radar not gonna cost too much money but could play meaningful reps and and produce yeah so i, I would definitely put him in that list uh, and, I, and i actually did um, like i mentioned earlier i ran some numbers on the safeties and tried to find some free agents who um have been used similar similarly in terms of where they line up to the Jets to try to identify those scheme fits. I did the same thing for interior defensive line. So I'm looking at some of my top guys for rankings. Um, Chris Wormley from the Steelers is a guy who stands out to me. He's someone who 
did not play a lot of snaps last year, but he was efficient with those snaps. He was very productive run stuffer, which I think the Jets would like because they can improve that part of their interior D-line quite a bit. Their backup D-tackles were not good against the run last year. And both of those guys are free agents too, so they're going to have to figure that out also, the depth on that interior D-line. But a Wormley with the Steelers is the out of all the free agents, he's the third most similarly used to Rankins last year in terms of where he lined up. Uh, and a lot of that comes from lining up frequently at the four technique and four eye technique positions, which is uh, in the B gap, like over the tackle Rankins lined up there a lot. Wormley did as well with the Steelers and he's an efficient run stuffer, really good athlete who could give them some of that penetration ability. So I, I like Chris Wormley. He's a sneaky, good guy to fill the defensive tackle spot, whether they lose Rankins and they need a starter to replace him or if they're, looking to fill the backup defensive tackle spots. I like Wormley from the Steelers. All right, so just for keeping track, your predictions right now are center Brendel from San Francisco, safety Jimmy Ward from San Francisco, and then Chris Wormley, defensive tackle from the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, We'll keep moving, but are those your three predictions for free agency so far? Yeah, I I think I feel pretty good about those. I, I would lock those in. I think, I mean, and that's that's kind of the, the level of free agents that the Jets could bring in, those starting, you know, solid guys, good value. A lot of it's going to come down to contract, but I think those are the free agent signings that they'll make, and those are typically the free agent signings that, you know, age the best. Um, last two positions to potentially address in free agency, linebacker, a lot of it depends what they do here. Assume they sign Quincy Williams, but they don't bring back Quan. Do you think they would turn their attention towards the draft and they have Jamie and Sherwood and Hamza Nasruddin, or do you think they take a look at this linebacker market, which I have to say is pretty good, pretty deep. A lot of guys who excel in pass coverage. I mean, this is a position, and like you've mentioned a few times now this offseason, it's not a position that makes a lot of money. So you can get a damn good player for a pretty cheap contract. Uh, what, what would be your plan here if they couldn't bring back Quan? I think linebacker is a position where they could – find a replacement in free agency because as you brought up, it's a position that is kind of opposite of wide receiver dwindling in value in recent years and good starters go for not very good money. And I think you could get good value here, especially for the jets who have developed linebacker pretty well with Quincy and, you know, helping Quan rebound. Uh, It's a scheme that emphasizes athleticism at the position. So they can really work with toolsy kind of guys and, get the most out of them. So I think this is a position where you could find that type of player. Um, I'm just looking at our list here of a few guys we brought up. Um, Kaiser White, TJ Edwards, Drew Tranquil um, from the San Francisco 49ers. Aziz Al-Shair is an intriguing option as well. So uh, I know we keep bringing up 49ers players. Do we maybe have some leeway to sign some extra ones this year? Because I feel like we've done that the past two off seasons, but they haven't actually gotten too many of them. Right. Well, now you're getting kind of the meat of the solid tenure guys coming out. I mean, you know, when Saul first gets hired, a lot of the guys who are playing under him aren't free agents immediately. Two years later, now you get some of these. I mean, it makes sense. It does. Right. I mean, how many 49ers have they actually signed the past couple of years? Lakin. Lakin. Um, I guess Solomon Thomas is a former Niner, but he was on the Raiders the year before they signed them. Yeah. Same Um, with DJ Reed, I guess, was a former Niner. That as well. But. Also not coming straight from the Niners and Reed and different was, position. <laughs> yeah, had switched positions and wasn't a starter at the Niners. So like they really like we've been bringing these guys up every offseason, but they haven't actually 
done much of it. So I think I, they also got Marcel Harris just came to mind, but another backup like lower level players. So, so they haven't really done it that much. So maybe they do have some leeway to finally sign a couple 49ers guys. Can I give you, season. can I give you one that most likely won't happen, but just cause I'm trying to give you some out of the box thinking, um, Tremaine sure. Edmonds. Now here's I why I don't, I don't see, see it. it either. He's going to be expensive. Buffalo might not let him get away. I mean, they do have some guys to pay, so maybe he does get away. Um, they already have so much money devoted to CJ Mosley. I get it. But Tremaine Edmonds, we know, just if you listen to any uh, press conference the week of Bill's week, Robert Sala always mentions Tremaine Edmonds. He talks about him, how he's an avatar, how he's hard to scheme against. Linebacker has been important in this scheme in the past. I mean, they haven't invested a lot of money. When you look at you know Fred Warner, wasn't a, a highly paid free signing, but he's a damn important player, and they pay him well now. So if they believe in Tremaine Edmonds, they could post first uh, post June first cut Mosley. They'd have to eat ten million dead cap the year after that, correct? If they cut Mosley, they'd yeah, free like twenty four. Yeah, so they'd free nineteen million if they did post June first with Mosley, but then they'd have to eat ten the year after that. But it's just something to keep an eye out for. I I doubt it, but he's. As soon as I saw his, his name on this list, I just have thought back to all the times Robert Sala has mentioned him. And look, in free agency, there's only so many good players. And if they, it's a blue chip player that they absolutely love and they find a way to make the cap work, if they move on from Mosley or whatever it is, I just think he's a guy to keep in mind. But highly doubt it. But, it, you know, hurt the division rival. That'd be pretty cool. Maybe file um, that into the potential Rodgers scenario yes, moves. I guess so. Um, all right. Last position, receiver. which. In our uh, projections, we're having him keep Corey Davis, but they could still, I could easily see them trading him. And even if they have Corey Davis, we have him cutting Braxton Berrios. You have a big hole behind him. Davis has struggled to stay healthy at times. You know, Garrett Wilson has a small frame. Elijah Moore is a, a smaller player as well. You never know uh, how healthy these guys will be able to stay. So receiver depth is very important. And right now, the only guys you have behind him are Denzel Mims. And is Jeff Smith? Uh, for regardless you need to sign a receiver is, or yeah. draft somebody um so who are some of the receivers that kind of stand out to you as maybe you know either Corey davis replacement or maybe more of the, that wide receiver four mold um i think there, there are some decent guys out there robert woods just got released yeah titans familiarity um good run blocker. Fit from the rams good run blocker i think he would be a really perfect kind of complimentary guy um, so he's in there. Uh, the free agent wide receiver group is not very good, which I think just further deters me from wanting to dip into it to replace Corey Davis because the guys at the top are going to be even more overpaid because there just aren't that many options. So, um, but if you're looking for depth and value, there could be some guys to have. Um, some people bring up McCole Hardman. He's interesting as the guy. I'm talking more like a third, fourth receiver. Maybe fill that Barrios role as more like your end around jet sweep athlete kind I feel of like you guy. Could draft that. Um, but yeah, like just like you, you're saying, you could you could probably draft that kind of player. So um, Darius Slayton, maybe if you just want a you know reliable hands guy, just solid depth. Um, there are some guys out here like Randall Cobb. If they get you know if they get Rogers, if you want that. <laughs> familiarity i don't know how much he's left in the tank yeah, let's just bring jordy nelson and greg jennings out yeah, of the time. maybe donald a, driver donald driver jermichael finley get the whole gang back together um i guess yeah i mean i, I think for receiver 
I, I think they'll probably look to the draft, especially if you have a guy like Aaron Rodgers. I think the benefit of having, or even Derek Carr, but more so with Rodgers, the benefit of having a guy like that is you can draft somebody on day three, and because you have one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time, he's going to develop at a much faster rate. And maybe he's not uh, elite in September, but by the end of the year, when I mean, you look at what Rodgers was able to do this year uh, with with Dobbs and Watson, by the end of the year, he had built that chemistry. They had you know, thousands of reps and practice and games, you know, that builds up. And then you have a guy that has developed into a starting receiver and can maybe replace, you know, Corey Davis. So I think they're going to look to the draft uh, to, to fill the receiver need and, and probably, you know, day three, maybe late day two. Um, if they did move on from day, I mean, I think Robert Woods is the, the guy who jumps out the most. Yeah. That's the guy. Other than that, I was kind of just grasping at straws. Yeah. But Robert, Robert Woods is the guy who I look at and kind of really envision he could be a valuable but who knows piece. who knows how he feels about Todd Dang, his offensive right. coordinator. Uh he remained relatively healthy last year, was injured the year before that. Uh I think he's good depth. And if they do trade Davis, you know, and they, they bring in Rodgers, you could throw Robert Woods out there because you have more, you have Wilson, you have Brees Hall in the backfield, and you got a lot of money at tight end as well. So, you know, you could downgrade there um for cap purposes if, if they needed to so i think robert woods is another guy to keep an eye out for uh with that said michael final predictions so far you've had brendel the center from uh san francisco jimmy ward safety from san francisco and chris wormley defensive tackle from pittsburgh any other guys you want to make a prediction on um obviously they'll have other signings small signings they'll make restructures you know i imagine they'll probably add another offensive lineman um whether that's her even if even if it's just Herbig, i think they'll probably bring somebody else in at depth they'll probably add another defensive tackle maybe that's just bringing back shepherd and, and thomas but they want to build depth there um any other predictions you want to make you want to throw robert, robert woods in here in your, your predictions um i don't know if i feel strongly enough to put him in my predictions he's a possibility the other ones i really think are strong possibilities um this is just one of the hardest ones to predict and that's not to say that it that it's usually easy to predict because it's not as if we get it right anyway when it seems like it's easy. <laughs> but um, th- this one is, is just you know because they have to be so tight with the money. It's not like you're focusing on okay, here are the top three edge rushers, top three guards. This is where the Jets are operating. It's more so they're picking from like dozens of guys who are going to be in the same price range. So it's really hard to pick out who they are going to target from those groups. So I feel right. confident in the three we pointed out. I like Brendel. I think Ward makes a lot of sense at safety, either him or Tatron Gibson. And then Wormley at defensive tackle kind of stands out as a sneaky box checking guy at that position. But other than that, it's, uh, there's not a ton I feel strongly about. I don't know about you, Michael, but I'm feeling considerably more excited for, for free agency after doing this. Um, I know it won't be, the biggest free agency period or the most exciting. I mean, honestly, if they get Carl Rogers, that'll be pretty exciting. Um, but beyond the quarterback, which could happen this week, it could happen early next week, but regardless, it'll happen, you know, within the next 10 days or so. Uh, there's some good free agents here, you know, that they could bring in and really improve this team. Um, I'm excited. I, I really like some of the guys we, we pointed out here. I'm sure they'll sign other guys we didn't even mention. And then we'll go back and look and be like, why didn't we talk about them in our free agency preview? I'm sure I'll find somebody tonight right after ending this podcast. And I was like, damn it. I wish I'd talked about him, but 
after we've run through it, I feel pretty good about this. Michael, I feel good about the chance Joe Douglas has to improve the team. I think you made a great point about some of his best free agent signings have been these, you know, under the radar waiver wire pickups. So maybe we'll trust this personnel uh, scouting department and, and, and see, uh, you know, how they do. With that being said, Michael, I think that's it for us. You have any last thoughts before I do the plugs and we get out of here? Uh, I don't think so. I'm okay. just ready for the quarterback news to kind of play itself out so we could move on with this offseason because it's been hard to focus on the draft and free agency as much as we right. usually do because the quarterback is that first domino to fall. There are two different, or I guess there's more than two, but we're, we're focusing on two right now, different paths that the Jets could go down this offseason, and they're very different depending on which quarterback it is. So until we know, it's kind of hard to lay that path out and envision how everything is going to come to fruition. So I think this will be the week that we figure it out, whether it's going to be Carr yeah. or Rodgers. Hopefully one of those two. All right. Think of you, you're going to make your last prediction after these plugs. So think about what you're going to say. Um, but it's your last final prediction on who they go with. Okay. You can follow us at TYJ Pod on Twitter. You can follow Michael at Michael underscore Nania, myself, Ben W. Blessington. Go to JetsXFactor.com. Best place to go for Jets content. A lot of good stuff is going to be coming out this week and the next few weeks as we you know talk about free agency and, and preview the draft. So make sure to check that out. Subscribe to the Jets X Factor YouTube as well. Post all our podcasts up there, but there's some other great pods and, and videos and film breakdowns that come out. Uh, if you can, please rate, review, subscribe on iTunes. That really helps out the podcast a ton. Um, I think that's it. I think I mentioned it all. So, Michael, last thoughts. Carr or Rodgers, who's the Jets quarterback this time next week or next, this time two weeks from now? My gut feeling is that the New York Jets – are going to trade a first-round pick and a fourth-round pick for Aaron Rodgers. That is That's... my final prediction. I... What is that reaction? No, you... no, 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 no. I was thinking. I was sorry. I wasn't okay. reacting. I was thinking. <laughs> I, I think. Yeah, I think. I think it'll be Rodgers too. But Carr really wouldn't surprise me that much. Um, I think he makes a hell of a lot of sense for them. I think. You know, imagining Derek Carr talking to Robert Sala over dinner, I imagine the two probably, uh, you know, got along pretty well. They seem similar in their mindset. Uh, Carr's, you know, good leader. He's durable. He's a little younger. You don't have to push all your chips in as, as fast. Makes maybe more sense if your philosophy is going to be play defense and run the ball. Um, a lot to think about. But Rodgers maybe gives you, he obviously he gives you the higher ceiling, but also he might give you, a chance to potentially salvage Zach Wilson's career. Not that that would be the, the most important thing that he'd do. And, and and Wilson will be a free agent in two years anyway, but just childhood idol, you know, maybe he's able to develop under him a little bit better. In addition, you have Aaron freaking Rogers. You can beat anybody. Um, I think, I think they'll go with Rogers, but there's a part of my gut that it really does feel like it'll be car. So I don't know, but and for me, I think what pushes me to Rogers is just the process of elimination. I don't think he's going to retire. I don't think he wants to be in the same class as Brady. And it does sound like, based on what he said in that podcast, that he is pretty motivated to continue playing and prove some people wrong. And I also don't see him returning to the Packers because the Packers seem like they want to go forward with Jordan Love and turn the page. So just considering those two things, I think the Jets are the way to go. And it does appear yeah. that the Jets are putting him above Derek Carr. So that's what's pushing me <laughs> to that. But I could see Carr for sure. If they could get him without surrendering a first-round pick, man, 
be quite exciting. Well, regardless, we'll be back. We'll have a podcast dropping later this week about Aaron Rodgers, um, breaking him down more in depth. Uh, then we'll be back on Monday, a week from now. That'll be the starting uh, or kicking off free agency. Uh, I don't know how exactly how we'll do it, but you know, probably similar to the last two years or so. We'll we'll have if there's signings, we'll have a podcast that night talking about them and previewing them. So. Probably will be a little weird schedule next week, but we'll obviously have some pods coming out these next few days. Um, so, yeah, with that being said, thank you, everybody, for listening. Let us know your thoughts. Tweet us your free agency predictions, who you like, who you don't like. Um, appreciate everybody for listening. Have a great week. Maybe by the next time you hear our voices, the Jets will have their their franchise quarterback for the foreseeable future. Exciting times. Also, uh, we made it to the end without discussing uniforms. Give us a round of applause. I will say, I will say. Or give me, I should say, because I bring it up. Looks better in these uniforms than than Rogers. Absolutely, absolutely. Rogers looks weird in this in these uniforms. Big bulbous helmet and this like the modern uniforms. I don't think the twelve looks good in these uniforms. Um, But Carr, every edit I've seen of him with that number four. I mean, DJ Reed made the four look really good this off season. Uh, Carr, Carr looks good in this uniform. Rogers, whenever I see DJ Reed is. He's just, just going to keep racking up money selling his, his number. That should be his thing. Every year, he just keeps picking <laughs> a desirable number and selling it. That's um, hilarious. Did you see the um, the conspiracy tweet that I made about Reed a couple days ago with Derek yeah, Carr? The Las Vegas. Did you enjoy that? I enjoyed it. I, I enjoy <laughs> your insane psychopath tweets. I, I really do enjoy them. I don't know what came to mind that inspired me to do that. So little background here. I, I guess we're really extending this, but th- this will be quick. So the Jets posted a, a graphic of DJ Reed that was, you know, pumping him up. It, they put his PFF coverage grade and it was 77.5. So I put a post above that and I said 775 is a Nevada area code. Nevada, Nevada, another pronunciation you can go back and forth on. Um, regardless, uh, DJ Reed, where's number four? just like Derek Carr, who played in that state with the past three seasons, and DJ Reed went to high school in Bakersfield, California, same as Derek Carr. <laughs> Was that post intended to be a hint that Derek Carr is going to All right, we're all team, we're team Carr. Food we're for thought. Carr. I will say, after our podcast with Marcus, I did get, I listened back to it, and I was getting excited about, about Derek Carr, and I was like, maybe I'm being too harsh on him. Who knows? We'll see. All right, thank you, everybody, for listening. Have a great week. Go Jets.